Welcome this morning to our broadcast. Uh, we want to open this morning with a psalm. So if you'd like to turn to Psalm 27, I'm going to read verse 12 and following. Give me not up to the soul of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me. They breathe out cruelty and violence. What? What would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we are all here, we are all gathered, we are uh, participating, Lord, in your life in the body. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us during times of struggle. In Psalm 27, it talks about cruelty, which steals our hope and causes us to fear. And it talks about violence, Lord, which robs us of courage. Lord, let it help us to stand against these things in the name of Jesus and wait for your goodness and believe for your goodness and expect you to fill us with courage and bravery in these times. We thank you, Lord, and we bless your holy name this morning, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, into our uh, gathering and into our worship this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, welcome, everybody. Great to have you here. And before we do some worship, I just wanted to um, do a, a couple quick updates. Um, the, you can please keep the Anderson family in your prayers. They are going through COVID in the house. And um, Karen is feeling quite a bit better. Paul is working on recovery. And uh, so is Naomi. And Phil Ludio, Karen's dad got pretty sick. Uh, he had to be hospitalized and they brought him home now. And it's sort of just, they're in a prayer, prayer phase um, as Phil is probably going home to glory sometime soon. He's basically home on hospice now. And uh, everybody's excited about that. They're, they're eager to go be with the Lord in heaven. And so we're praying for uh, as little pain and as much peace as possible and praying for Margaret as well that she doesn't get sick um, as well as praying for her um, after Phil does probably precede her yeah, to heaven so please keep them in their prayers and we're going to pray for them again um, later in the service when we pray for healing we'll pray for them specifically but um, yeah let's keep them in our prayers and that's pretty much it as far as announcements um, keep letting us know if there's anything you need or anything we can do for you. And, you know, this uh, Zoom is live and it's being recorded. So if your face appears on your computer screen, then you are being recorded. So just FYI. 
And uh, please remember to mute. There's a little mute, like a microphone button. You can hit mute. And then when there's a red line through the microphone, that means you're muted. Uh, whenever you're not going to talk, maybe leave it muted. That way we won't hear your house's background noise or barking dogs or whatever it may be, which is kind of a nice feature in Zoom. And then this, basically what you see on your screen is being recorded as well and put on YouTube for people who don't watch live or aren't able to, and you can always send that to somebody. Uh, you can send them a YouTube link, email them, post it on Facebook, whatever you want to do. That is perfectly fine. And so we thank you for joining us today. And let's pray and prepare our hearts for worship. Let's take a moment and just have a moment of silent confession. Anything that we have done or left undone to confess to the Lord. Amen. And Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. And we thank you for all the other many blessings in our life. I want you to think of a couple things that you're thankful for. Kids, how about you? What are you thankful for? That we can go to school in person. That you can still go to school in person. Yeah, that is something to be thankful for. Did you have one, Bella? Trees. So we can have oxygen. That's really important. Good one. Anybody else? Andrew's thinking. Uh, and I'm sure you at home have plenty of things to be thankful for. I have found that during 2020, with all the challenges it's brought, the more thankful you can be every single day, the better. Thankfulness is a good cure for uh, whininess uh, and self-pity and oh, woe is me and all the stuff that it's easy to do in these kind of days. But thankfulness puts a break on that and on the negative effects that it has on you. And it lifts your spirit, which is good. And Christmas carols do that as well. And so we're going to sing some Christmas carols. A lot of these songs have a lot of verses. And we're not going to sing every single verse of every single song. But we're going to do quite a few. And the lyrics will be on your screen. Or you can print it off from the email today or pull that email up on another screen if you want. Uh, the update email from this week. The lyrics are on there as well. And I encourage you to really pay attention to the words of these songs, which is why I picked a lot of verses for most of these. The older carols in particular have such great theology. It's really, really good stuff, cool stuff. And if there's some verses you might not be as familiar with, you might see some things that you're like, wow, that's really cool. So let's worship the Lord. <clears throat> a couple of these I'm doing a little <clears throat> less traditionally. What child is there too late to rest on Mary's lap while sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems while shepherds watch are keeping? This, this is Christ the King, who shepherds love and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him God, the baby son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean estate, where ox and ass are feeding? 
The Christian fearful sinner spirit, the silent word is pleading. Nails spear shall pierce him through, the cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the pain, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, golden myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The King of kings salvation brings, their loving hearts enthroned in. Praise, praise the song on high, the virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. This, this is Christ the King, who shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him life, the babe, the son of Mary. One more time. This, this is Christ the King, who shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him life, the babe, the son of Mary. Christian Mary, gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Just kidding. Slight technical difficulty there. Okay, we're going to do God rest you, Mary, gentlemen. And this is one of those examples where we got like five verses. So pay attention to these words because uh, you may or may not have heard some of these. God rest you, Mary, gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ the Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. God, our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came. From home to certain shepherd for tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Do not then set the angel, let nothing you affright. His day is born a Savior, a pure and virgin light. To free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. All tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. All tidings of comfort and joy. And when they came to Bethlehem, where our dear Savior lay, they found him in a manger, where oxen feed on hay. His mother Mary kneeling down unto the Lord did pray, all tidings of comfort. 
Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place. And with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace. This holy tide of Christmas, our others don't embrace. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Tidings. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Good job. I want to thank our additional vocalists today, Bella and Andrew. Thanks for joining the worship team, guys. All right, this is a favorite around this house anyway. Probably your house too. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Till the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free. Thine own from Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Oh, come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thy advent to disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow to fly. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come back, ye of David, come and open wide our heaven. Make safe the way that leads on high, and those the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O 
you to take a just a moment of silence close your eyes if you're in a safe place to do that and i just want you to meditate on the lord and on the amazing gift that he gave to you by sending his son jesus just take a minute and just think about that pray about that Lord, we thank you that you came to earth so long ago in order to die for us. I don't want to take that for granted or forget about it in all the traditions that we have during this Christmas season. We want to keep you at the forefront of our own minds and our own hearts. Help us to prepare room within ourselves for you this year. In the bleak midwinter, all creation groans. For a world in darkness, frozen like a stone, light is breaking. Born a table for a throne, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. And he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. If I were a wise man, I would travel far. If I were a shepherd, I would do my part. Poor as I am, I would 
give to him my heart, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forevermore here within a manger lies the one who made the starry skies this baby born for sacrifice christ the messiah into our hopes into our fears the savior of the world appears the promise of eternal years Christ the Messiah, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forevermore. He shall reign, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forevermore. Does anyone have a word to share for the group that they think is from the Lord? Oh, sorry about that. Uh, I'd like to read uh, out of Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 and 8. It says, keep on asking, and it will be given you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking fervently, and the door will open to you. And reverently, for everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be open. So Lord, this morning we are, we are praying for healing this morning for the Anderson household. Lord, as kings, you say that we are kings and priests both. And as kings, Lord, we stand in our kingly position, Lord, because you said that you have given us all authority and stand in the position of a king. And we say, be healed, those who are ill, in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the 
plans and plots and schemes of the enemy in Jesus name and with the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We speak to that virus and we say die in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And as kings, we speak to those bodies and we say be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And to all who are ill, be healed in Jesus name. Mm -hmm. And as priests, Lord, we seek your will, Lord, for our lives. And we know that you have goodness and mercy for us, Lord, and you have a future and a hope. And so we pray, Lord, for all who are ill. We pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Raise their bodies up in Jesus' name and be healed. And Lord, we will not give up. We will keep knocking every moment, every hour, every day in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. until you answer us from your holy heaven mm -hmm. in Jesus name. We just thank you, Lord, for your healing power in us, in the Andersons, and in others, Lord. And we pray not just for physical healing, Lord, but we pray for emotional healing, mental healing. In Jesus' name, we pray, Lord, for the healing of our souls, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, you did this for us. You went to the cross for us. You died for us. That this is accomplished through you and through your blood. In your precious and holy name, we thank you, Father. Amen, amen. and amen. Anybody else have a word while Nate is uh, finishing setting up? Just the scripture came to mind that, Lord, we just thank you that of your goodness have we all received and grace for grace. Amen. Thank you for this time together to celebrate your goodness, to celebrate your grace together, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the grace. And and Lord, we ask for your blessing upon this word too, Lord, this morning. Yes, Lord. Lord may this be holy ground, Lord. As we read this morning in, in the women's Bible study, Lord, your word revives us. Amen. We're going to go to Luke 2. Can you hear me? Barely. Barely. How about now? That's better. A little better? That's kind of quiet. Uh, Kaylee, I'm going to have you light the candles. Light this one first, then this one first. We're doing the Advent candles out of order because we were downstairs for worship and now we're upstairs. Good job. I'm plugged into the the same same. Uh, uh, this is as close as it gets. <laughs> Thanks for your understanding during the technical days that we live in. I appreciate that. All right, grab your Bibles. Open up to Luke one. 
I'm going to briefly talk about what we did uh, last Sunday, and then we'll just keep going through the book. So we went through kind of an intro of Luke and an overview of that. We talked about the genealogies and the interesting things about those, uh, namely that they're different. It's interesting. Um, and then we got up to our next two characters, which are Zachariah and Elizabeth. Um, the name Elizabeth, by the way, means God's oath or his oath. And the name Zacharias means God remembers. And so their celebrity couple name, Zacharias Elizabeth, means God remembers his oath. Which is very fitting to what is happening, of course, in the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Namely, we talked about last week that um, just as Luke sort of set up Jesus as the new Adam by bringing the genealogy all the way back to Adam, he's also setting Zacharias and Elizabeth up as sort of the new Abraham and Sarah with the age, agedness, and barrenness in both cases. Abraham started the covenant, it started the people of God, and now it's coming to its conclusion through John the Baptist in the same way it did through Isaac. Because now the promised one, the point of having the chosen people is coming. Jesus is coming. And so God remembers his oath to his people, which is a sentiment that's repeated quite a bit in the Old Testament. Um, oh, one other interesting thing, um, Zechariah, all the priestly orders have names based on the children of Levi and their kids and such. Um, and uh, Zacharias was part of the priestly order of Abijah. So that was the priestly group. People from Abijah were doing the uh, worship in the temple and burning the incense and that sort of thing. Uh, the order of Abijah comes immediately before the order of Yeshua. And Yeshua is Jesus' Hebrew name. And so again, we have the, the precursor, the one preceding Yeshua. And we see it over and over again throughout this story that Luke is very meticulously constructing for us. So right in the names of this couple, you see God remembers his oath and you see that Zechariah precedes Yeshua, precedes Jesus. It's very interesting. Any, any thoughts on that before we kind of keep going? Nate, 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 excuse me, it's hard to hear. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. So everybody else could, yeah. Yeah, everybody else could mute if you're not. That sounds better. That sounds better. Yeah. Well, it's a matter of getting this mic without breaking my. Table. And then with a little more passion. <laughs> more passion. You just want me to yell? More I passion. No, no, just passion. Yell. That's that's why I always say it's passion. Not yelling. It's just passion. Right. Right. <laughs> Most Pentecostal preachers I know are passionate. <laughs> okay, so we are Luke chapter one. Um, so the angel comes. We're uh, Luke chapter one, and uh, we kind of we kind of went through the main promise in verse thirteen when the angel shows up, and fourteen more good news and everything is going really great, right? And one of the best birth announcements you'll ever hear 
from anybody. And it's from an angel, no less, right? And Zachariah says to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And just judging by the words, you can't necessarily tell what he meant by that. Because you, you can say that in a kind of an honest, maybe naive way, or you can say it in a very doubtful way. But as we read on, we know from the context that he was saying this in a very doubtful way. How is that supposed to happen? My wife is way too old. I am not the spring chicken either, so I don't see this. It's a phrase that my grandma used to use, Kaylee. <laughs> a spring chicken? They're, they're, because I don't know. Are they young and spry? <laughs> it, it just means they're young and spry. At least that was the context my grandma used it in. My 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 uh, mom and dad, when we were young, when my sister and I were really young, it was Easter time and we would get chicken, little chickens, and they were colored green or, or red or yellow. And so that's, I think that's, I, that's always what I think of because we used to get them at Easter time. It's just springtime. <laughs> cool. Andrew wants to know, are, are you talking about live chickens? Live chickies, little chickies. As in living, yes, painted. He's confused at the concept of who gets to paint the chickens. <laughs> you bought them that way, so I don't know. Pre-purchased. <laughs> Be Bella says, okay, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> she, she's our, she's keeping us on task today. <laughs> Thank you, Bella. So as, as we go on here, we, we know by context that he was not, this was not a, the great response. This, this was uh, doubtful. And if, if you want to look just real quickly before we move on, um, verse 15. So Gabriel's going through all these different promises for John the Baptist. He will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. That was a... Uh, like a sort of like a fast people would take a vow to fast wine or strong drink, which are two different things um, for a period of time, typically. And then they'd stop. Occasionally there would be people who would take a vow for life to do that. Kaylee's raising her hand. Like she thinks of an example. Oh, no, I just have a question um, oh, okay. about Gabriel. So Gabriel? he visited Mary to tell uh, her the good news. And then he visited Zachariah. So yeah, did, did he visit other people? Um, right. it, it, it's traditionally thought that Gabriel is kind of the head of the messenger angels. Um, but we, we don't really know that much from scripture. The fact that Gabriel names himself here, though, while he's talking to Zachariah, um, that does imply that Zachariah should know his name. And we do see Gabriel in the book of Daniel named. Yeah. And, but, the, but he's not named real often, but that's a pretty famous one. And so Zachariah would definitely know the name Gabriel. Uh, and it's, who it's he who is not often named. Do we like hear any other names of angels? We, we don't hear any other names of angels except for Michael, the archangel, and Lucifer, the archangel who fell and became Satan. So those, so it's presumed that Gabriel's an archangel as well because of that, but we, it actually never says that. 
Um, so those are the only three named angels that we know of. Presumably, they all have names, though. Probably. Yeah. And it didn't happen, this whole angelic visitation thing didn't happen super often. This, this it wasn't like Gabriel's like, all right, time to do the rounds. <laughs> I got four today, you know, like this is not normal. Yeah. Um, pr prophesying or announcing the, uh, the birth with an angel, very, very not normal. Um, but we do see it, you know, Abraham talked to an angel and that may have been Gabriel too, we don't know. Wait, so he talked to an angel? A couple times. I thought God just spoke. Yes, sometimes God just spoke directly to him. But there were there were some some angels going on too. Bella. Um, aren't did angels like get born in heaven or? Yeah. So angels did angels get born in heaven? Is what Bella asked. Angels were created by God before people were created. Now, when we say angels, we don't really even know what we're talking about. We're just talking about beings that serve God. And they're not human. And they don't die? There, there's, there's different types of angels, different like, races. The Revelation talks about a number of them. Daniel talks about a number of them. Um, seraphim, cherubim, archangels. We just sort of clump all of those beings that work for God who aren't human into a category, and we call that angels. The word angel literally means messenger. So can like an angel, like can a different kind We're of gonna, angel no, we're, we're going to, I'm going to pause you there because um, we could really go far afield when talking about angels. Whole books have been written about angels and I want to stick to the Jesus story this morning. So we're going to, we're going to leave it at angels are cool. And <laughs> well, they say, they say Michael what, and Gabriel were, were famous angels and then Lucifer was infamous. Right. He was infamous. And yeah, I mean, hello. There are a lot of texts that uh, refer to angels in different ways. And so we don't know a lot about them, but we know this was a big deal. We know Zachariah recognized it, him as an angel right away and should have taken this really great word, this really positive word, well. Um, the angel said, he must not drink wine or strong drink. So there's that vow um, to abstain from those things. Uh, Samson is an example of somebody who took that exact vow. It was very extremely, extremely, extremely rare for someone to take that vow for life, to not drink wine or strong drink. Um, so this was a unique thing, which is why the angel had to come and say, hey, this is, he's got to do this. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Now that's unique. That is, that is different. That is not something we're, we're used to seeing. And he, meaning this baby I'm foretelling, will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So it was prophesied that Elijah the prophet would come back in a sense, or the spirit of Elijah, the anointing of Elijah would return before the Messiah was born. And so the angel is saying, that's your kid. Yeah, this is a sweet announcement, especially to Zechariah, who understood everything that is being said right now, because that was his job. So he's like, whoa, time out. So that means the Messiah is coming, first of all, holy cow. My son is going to be Elijah reborn, not reincarnated, but the, the mission of Elijah. And he's going to be great in the sight of the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. I mean, this is, it's beyond amazing. It's beyond amazing. And then he goes on to quote Micah chapter four, right at the end of the Old Testament. And in order to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just and to make ready 
for the Lord, a people prepared. So he's coming to prepare the people of God for the Messiah. This is a huge, huge deal. And Zach should be beyond pumped right now, right? And his reaction is, nah. Pass. I mean, he doesn't say pass, but he does say like, how, how is that supposed to happen, man? Like, seriously. Um, it's pretty amazing. And we, we, we hypothesized last time that he had probably been praying for a son for years and years and decades and decades and over and over, and it never happened. Elizabeth never got pregnant. And so as often happens when we pray about things for a long time and they don't happen, sometimes we can give up, get upset, a lot of people end up getting bitter. God never healed my mom and then she died. I prayed for this thing for a long time and it never happened, I guess. God doesn't care about me and, and people start thinking all sorts of silly things and getting bitter. And so someone now shows up and says, hey, you know that thing you prayed for forever but stopped praying for probably 20 years ago? God's gonna do that now. Oh, really now he's gonna do that? Like where you been this whole time? Like, that's kind of the attitude I think that Zachariah has, which is really sad. But we've all probably met people who have some bitterness like that. I'm sure we've all could share some stories about people that we know or used to know or something like that, that are just, there's just a bitterness there. There's a, it's beyond unforgiveness. It's really rotted part of your heart out. And I think that's, that's how I explain anyway, Zachariah's uh, response. It reminds me of the saying, hope deferred. Yeah, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah, and that's kind of what um, Zachariah, it's, it's like he, he probably wanted a child so badly, so desperately, was following God, you know, and the, the, was, was being a righteous man according to the law of his day. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't happening, and that that constant hope being deferred. Uh, unlike Abraham, he just, he got bitter. Yeah. It's sad. So, I mean, it's, this is something to watch out for, I think, in all of our hearts, you know, especially if it's something we prayed for or really wanted for a long, long time. Let's make sure we don't let that turn to bitterness. We let it go. If it's a person we need to forgive, we forgive them. If it's something we're praying for God to do, that we can let him off the hook and say, your will be done. I'm not saying don't stop praying. God may call you to pick that back up again and pray for that. Uh, But let's just keep an eye out on our heart and ask the Holy Spirit to kind of search us and know us and point out any of those areas that we might have. Uh, Bella. Um, What does Luke mean? I forget what the name Luke means. Uh, Kaylee? Uh, Where are we? We're in Luke chapter 1, and we just finished verse 17. Okay. Yep. It's in the Any other questions, comments? So Zachariah says, how, in verse 18... How will I know this for certain? I think that for certain is interesting. Like, prove it. I mean, he's saying, hey, prove it, Gabriel. 
Uh, so yeah, a lot of bitterness here. We we can we can guess as to why, and I think that's something we should watch out for ourselves. Verse nineteen. This is Gabriel's response, and it's really interesting, I think. And the angel answered him, "I am Gabriel." I imagine a long pause there. I don't know if there was a long pause, <laughs> but I imagine because Zachariah is like, "Prove it, dude." And he's like, "Dude, I am Gabriel." He probably said it loud and maybe the room shook or it got dark or got really bright or all of a sudden Zach was practically blinded by the brightness of the angel. I don't know what happened, but I'm pretty sure it got Zachariah's attention. Okay, I am Gabriel, verse 19. I stand in the presence of God. Now that's not just saying, FYI, here's my address. He's saying, I can stand in the presence of the almighty God. Very few can stand in the presence of the holy, of holy. Luann, it looks like you had something. Well, I was just going to say, my version says, I stand in the very presence of God. Yeah. Is that the way it says it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. By the way, this was good news, Zach. What is your deal? <laughs> Seriously. And there's the word good news, the gospel. The gospel is coming. It's, it's on its way. So Gabriel doesn't curse him out or anything like that but he definitely puts him in his place i think like god sent me to speak to you and this was good news bad job any other any other thoughts on that bella has a question is it is it on what we're talking about okay if it's if it's not about what we're talking about then let's wait uh and we can talk about it later okay I love you, but we want to try to stay on track as much as possible. So if it's about the story, you can, you can ask the question. Okay. I was sent to bring this good news. Verse 20, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Now this, I can't think of any other example of this in the Bible. So this is a pretty unusual thing. Gabriel has some authority here over what can happen, um, which is interesting that Gabriel doles out this uh, discipline. Yeah, you, you said the wrong thing, so you're not gonna say anything now for a while. Some, something along those lines. There's, there's also something always connected between holiness and the mouth. You know, um, in Isaiah, the angel, takes the coal from the fire and presses it against um, his lips. That's Isaiah, right? And so there is something about the mouth and holiness, kind of a connection there. And Gabriel says, look, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. So shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty severe. This is, uh, this is a severe punishment because he doesn't say just while your wife is pregnant. He says, until this is fulfilled. Well, I was thinking about Adam and Eve, 
-hmm. You know, the mouth, they took the apple and ate. Yeah. Yeah, there could be a connection there. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe. So in case we weren't sure where Zach was at with this and we're just making up the whole bitterness thing and all of that, it says, because you did not believe. So Gabriel says this amazing thing and Zachariah does not believe it. And Gabriel's got a built-in faith meter and he sees it at zero. And he's like, all right, nope. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Kaylee. What does he mean by um, the day this is fulfilled? Uh, the, it, he means the, the word that Gabriel just gave, which is your, you, your wife will become pregnant and have a son, and you name him John. So until John is born? So until John is born, yeah. Or possibly until Zachariah names him John whichever happens last since those we'll, we'll see that happen actually so we're coming to that andrew uh pastor nate yeah uh isn't there two wasn't there something i seem to remember something the name that um something about john's name that wasn't a family name right so when the angel the angel gives him that's really the only command other than to teach him these things. I, I, that's kind of implicit, but name him, John, that was a very specific command that he had to do. And that is a little strange because John isn't a family name for them. Zachariah would probably name his son after himself or maybe his father or something like that. And so that, that was, that was unusual. So when he does that, and you'll see that in the story here, um, Later on, when he does that, people are like, huh? And 22. Okay, so that's all the stuff that happened in the temple. Or 21. People were waiting for Zechariah. They were wondering at his delay in the temple. So they're like, what, what, what is going on? What's taking this guy so long? He's already stayed his hour. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. So the angel's word came true. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. Now, that's interesting. Um, just because he came out and was unable to speak. That, I don't think that's what told him that he had a vision. But I think he walked out and he was probably dazed. And like, what? Um, who knows? There could have been physical effects. He was standing in the presence of Gabriel, who stands in the presence of the Lord. Uh, so, I mean, it's possible he was staggering, drunk, sort of drunkish looking like uh, in Acts chapter two, we're not sure, but whatever it was, it was clear to all the other priests there that, whoa, God just gave him a vision. Something significant just happened. Andrew? Okay. And so his com compadres outside they see that it's that he had a vision, and it says he, Zach, that's Zachariah, kept making signs to them and remained mute. So he's doing sign language or he's writing in the sand or something like that to try to communicate everything that just happened, presumably. And verse 23, and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. So he stayed the rest of his tour, 
Uh, and then, then he went home. They made him stay and work despite the fact that he couldn't talk, uh, which is interesting because there was no, I don't think there's any admonition against that sort of, that sort of imp uh, impairment when it came to the priests. They had certain, a lot of physical things that would disqualify them from being able to serve in the priesthood, but I don't think not talking is one. Haley? Um, he's a priest. So in this particular case, he was burning incense, burning incense in the holy place. A huge honor. Well, that only happens, you know, once per day. Uh, Andrew. Yes. So Andrew says he presumes they couldn't hear Zachariah and Gabriel speaking, which is correct. Because they're, they're outside the room that's outside of the room where Zachariah and Gabriel just were. But yeah, Gabriel could have made it so that they could have heard, heard him and he didn't. Uh, he didn't feel like doing Zach any favors at that particular moment. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's probably not what it was. That, that, that's sort of a little too much of a personification of assuming angels have uh, grudges and pettiness like humans do, which I presume <laughs> they don't, because this is a mild punishment in comparison to how cool Gabe is, um, considering what he could have done, I think. Uh, anyone else? Well, I don't, I, this, this is maybe going backward a little bit, but uh -huh. it's interesting that it says, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, he's full of the fear of the Lord, I guess. I don't know if it was um, fear of his safety. I don't know. Maybe it was. But then he's skeptical and cynical. I, so yeah. it's just it's so weird i agree it is weird he's he's almost courageous in his disdain <laughs> because he was very scared when the angel first showed up the angel had to say don't be afraid uh, he knows this guy could whoop him right this angel thing and so there's definitely i think probably some physical fear it could be the holiness issue um he stands in the presence of god so there's a level of holiness about Gabriel that is unattainable by Zachariah. So it could have been partly that too. Uh, but either way, he is troubled or, or greatly afraid. And yet, a minute later, he's like, prove it, buddy. I don't even believe you. So that, and I've, I've met people like this, who at one moment, they're, they, they can be totally appropriate. But when you touch on their area, when you poke that soft spot, that bitterness spot, whatever it is, they're, they're, they're a whole different person. That's why I think it has something to do with John, naming your son John, because it says here, um, he tells him, I've heard you. I've heard your petition. Most people would be, oh, you heard me, praise God. Right, you know, right. the, the angel says, I heard you. I gotcha. You know, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to bear a son. But then he says, you'll call his name John. Yep. And it's like, 
he doesn't, I don't know. It's like he, he pivots at that point. I mean, that's an interpretation, of course. Well, he but pivots it's like at, at the entirety of the word that, yeah. it, that Gabriel gives. Um, but it could be that that had something to do with it. Maybe he felt emasculated or like, I've waited for a kid this long and I'm going to get one and it's going to be a son and I can't name him after my dad or I can't name him after myself or whatever it is that he was wanting to do. Well, I think it's loss it, of control. It, it sounds simplistic, but I think it's just a faith thing. I'm not sure that he was, you know, what, what Tim said was good backing up there because he's, he's, he's in fear to some degree, whatever definition of fear that is. But that at the same amazing. time, he's speaking, and it seems to be a faith issue, a, a, long, a long-term faith issue where he's getting old. I mean, it's like I, I don't necessarily think he was fucking it that much. He was just saying, I don't know how I can believe this. You know, I, I don't know. Right. And, and that's, and Gabriel said, the punishment is because you did not believe my words. That was the reason. Which, if it makes sense, if he was nurturing bitterness, if he's nurturing bitterness, that's what's in his heart. And even though his body may be startled and his heart's pounding, it's still what it is, is in his heart is going to come out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's true. Out of, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Fear, the word fear there is phobos. Fear, terror, reverence, respect, or honor. Yep. Yeah. Because if you just take it from verse 19, uh, you know, I was just thinking, you know, it's 2,000 years later and we're just average people. This <laughs> was, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. But anyway, if you saw an angel, you, you know, I think you'd be a little bit more in awe than he was even. Yeah. You, I don't know. I, I just. I agree. I agree. He has that initial fear response, but I mean, it's not like he's never heard of angels, right? Like he's devout. Mm -hmm. You know, he knows what's going on. He recognized him as at least being an angel right away, and yeah. So there, there. Gabriel was hoping for a better response. He was he was hoping that Zachariah would believe him. I think there's probably something there to do with bitterness. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, either way, he doesn't believe. Look, I, I'm old, my wife's old. What do you, come on, man. And maybe he was, this was his last run. Maybe he was retiring after this. I don't know. Um, so Gabriel gives him the, the discipline. Zach talks to his buddies outside. They realize what was going on. So that's interesting. So there's some, some fame is starting to spread over this incident and over what happened. And then verse 24, after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. So he finishes his tour, how, however much longer that was. And then he went home. We don't know how much time has passed at this point between when Gabriel speaks to him and when Elizabeth becomes pregnant. It could have been a few months. It could have been a few weeks. It could have been less. We don't really know. What we know is after those days, so after that stuff happened, his wife conceived. So we don't know how long Zachariah ends up being mute. You know, could be a year, it could be a couple years. It could be it took him a long time to work out that unbelief that he had and that doubt that he had and 
Philly was humbled. Philly was cooperated with that humbleness and said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. We don't know. We don't know how long it was. It was just after those events, something else happened, which was his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And so John uh, didn't assume God was going to take care of things without his cooperation, right? Because Elizabeth wasn't pregnant yet when Gabriel showed up. It was going to happen after. And he cooperated in what he needed to do to accomplish that. And I, I actually think that's really cool because sometimes people get prophetic words and they, get, they receive that. People, I, I've seen this happen a lot. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, God. Will you do that? God says, Here, this is going to happen. Here's a destiny. Here's, here's a calling for you. And people say, okay, and they just put it on God and said, I am as if to say, thanks for that word. I will sit here and wait for that to happen. And that is seldom how it works with these kind of foretelling words. Typically, we have to walk into them. We have to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So not he wasn't passive <laughs> in this, right? He was active. I've, we, we got a mixed audience, so I'm, you know, obviously trying to be right coy here but but i think it's cool because he's like all right i'm going to cooperate with god and what needs to happen we don't know when but eventually he did so are you saying that possibly this was a physical thing and that's why zachariah said i can't believe this is gonna happen what do you mean for sure it's possible on on his own part oh i'm not saying saying that although that is possible okay it's I have an example. She, she was barren but yeah. back then, they did not know the difference between being barren and being non-potent. Yeah. Right? So it could be that he had some ED issues. Right. I have something that, in my mind, correlates. Yeah. <laughs> when was it that we were, it was over a year ago, Tim and I were reading the book, The Oracle, and at the same time, we were watching a six-hour documentary, like one DVD at a time or one hour at a time, of the birth of the nation of Israel. Who was the guy that was narrating it? Moshe? Well, anyway, he was a man who was there through all of this, and he was going back and telling about all these historical events and the birth of the nation of Israel, um, having lived through them and being physically present. And it also showed um, footage of all this stuff as it's happening. And here at the same time, we're reading the book, The Oracle, which shows how, how very precise the fulfillment of prophecy is. With all these things taking place, and God promised it, and he, would, he was bringing about the fulfillment in such exact timing, but in the natural, we were seeing with our own eyes, which was incredible to me, how they had to contend and fight, and fight together, and lay their lives on the line, and not without be, effort, you know, to be completely courageous in their fear, to cooperate with God in bringing about the fulfillment of prophecy. That was a mm -hmm. to me. So like, like that, like you said, Nate, when like God gives us a word, 
And it's not happening just by sitting back and praying and watching. We have to keep contending, keep obeying, keep, keep cooperating with the Lord in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is yeah. going to be a spiritual warfare process too. Absolutely. And, and so you can't be passive. When the Lord gives you a word and something's going to happen, passivity is not the response that God is looking for. Neither is going out in your own strength. Obviously, Abraham um, and Ishmael are, are the classic example of that, right? Abraham's like, well, apparently God's not going to do this miraculously, so right. I'm going to handle it myself. The difference, though, is that God tells Zechariah that his wife is going to conceive. He doesn't say anything about there being a miracle other than the fact that she was barren and old. And so, but I, I still think there's a huge comparison between Abraham and Zechariah. I think it's, there's just so much similarity there. And so Zechariah, you know, we've, we've been begging on Zechariah for most of this, most of this time and his response, but at some point he really changes, right? So I, I, I don't see this as simply being, okay, so he saw the angel the next day he walked home, the next day he and Elizabeth reunited, and nine months later there was a baby. That could have been the timeline. But in whatever timeline there was, there could be a lot more time. Because Luke's like, in, after those days, so this could have been years later still. We don't know. How much like Abraham was this? Um, either way, in that period of time, whether it's nine months or, or a couple of years or whatever, Zachariah changes to the point of becoming better than Abraham in a sense, because unlike Abraham, he didn't try to do it some different way and make it happen. So he did, he was right down the middle of the bowling lane. <laughs> he didn't go on this side where he was totally passive. He didn't go on this side where he, it's not going to work with Elizabeth. Let's, let's find somebody else. He, he cooperated in a good way, the way we're all supposed to. So he, I think he really changes. I think what, when Gabriel gave him this punishment, I don't think it's a punishment. I think it's discipline. And the difference being that punishment is simply punitive. You've done something wrong. I must do something quote unquote wrong or bad to you to make you pay. But this is discipline, which is done in order to bring grace into people's lives so that they can change, right? And grow. And I really think this was mercy on the part of Gabriel to allow, to humble uh, Zachariah. Zachariah clearly wasn't humbling himself and he needed to. And so Gabriel's like, I'm going to help you, bro. I'm going to help you out and I'm going to humble you. I'm going to make it so that you can't talk and everybody sees it. Everybody's going to know that you saw an angel you screwed up and now you can't talk. You can't hide not being able to talk, at least not for long, right? And so I think Gabriel was, was being kind to him here. We don't look at this as kindness naturally, but I really think it was. I think this was the kindness of God saying, I'm going to help you humble yourself and this is going to be rough. And it works. At some point, Zachariah starts to cooperate with God and say, okay, God, I'm on board because he cooperates in Elizabeth becoming pregnant. He, and he, in a minute, we'll see he cooperates with the name. So he's on, he's on board now. And I really think the whole mute thing helped him get there. So way to go, Gabe, for smiting him. 
and it wasn't it wasn't judgment it was mercy it's it's interesting how it can be the opposite sides of the same coin sometimes any other thoughts on that so after these days his wife elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden what's that about Any Sorry. Maybe didn't want a lot of attention with a baby pump. <laughs> or wanted to wait until she knew it was true. <laughs> Absolutely. It yeah. Could be. It could be that she wanted to wait for her own sake. Um, I think it was because she didn't want anyone else to see it yet. The next verse is, so for five months she kept herself hidden. And then the next verse she was saying to herself, thus the Lord has done for me when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So she is an old woman, a, bar a barren woman like Sarah. So this is a miraculous thing, but she is waiting to step out until the fifth or sixth month, which, you know, you ladies know that that's when you really sh start showing in a lot of pregnancies, right? Because, I mean, Picture if she hadn't done that and had just gone around saying, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. God made me pregnant, it's a miracle. Sure he did. Sure he did, yeah. Uh -huh. it's, called, it's called menopause. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that had already happened. And, and they're like, really? This seems really late for menopause. Um, and uh, I mean, they would have thought she was nuts. For sure. Yeah. God made me pregnant. Oh, bless. Okay. Um, and so I, I think it was wisdom. Um, and God may have even led her to that wisdom. I don't know. But I think it was wisdom uh, to not come out yet. Um, because, yeah, they would have thought she was nuts. And so to be like, where is Elizabeth then? I guess she's sick. I don't know. She's all shut up. And then to show up and be like, oh. <laughs> check it out yo <laughs> she, so she hides and then she goes maternity shopping <laughs> and and it's a party and she's pretty steady and so this and it's very interesting elizabeth's response now gabriel was like this is john this is who he's gonna who, who he's called to be this is this is the old covenant wrapping up this is a huge 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 global humanity-wide event and Elizabeth's response is, look what the Lord has done for me. Wow. And, and I'm not trying to, to convey that she's being selfish or self-absorbed here. I'm saying that clearly this is something that's more than just her by like a factor of a thousand. And yet she sees the personal kindness of the Lord in this massive prophecy fulfillment because she no doubt has also been praying for a child. I'm sure Sarah did as well. I don't think it ever states whether or not Sarah was praying for a child or not. Um, but Zach, uh, Elizabeth definitely was. I think. And so she sees this as something kind God is doing for her to take away my reproach among people. So this is, she's experienced reproach, probably a lot of it. 
I'm sure plenty of people came up to her and said, oh, well, what, what's your problem? What's your sin issue? It's got to be sin, right? So what are you doing wrong? I mean, you're a priest's wife. And that, that, that's another thing. Because she was a priest's wife, she and a daughter of Aaron herself, like they're expected to procreate. They're expected to make more priests. So it's not just that there was a job because she was a woman in that culture. That was there too. But there was a huge extra pressure to, you got to get busy making some more priests because that's important and we need that. And this is an important bloodline. They, the, the marriage may have been arranged because of that. I mean, Luke makes the point of saying she was of the daughters of Aaron. And so because she wasn't doing that societally mandated and religiously mandated by the priesthood, her job, um, she had a lot of reproach. So people, people mocked her. People probably assumed there was something wrong with her. She had done something terrible to make God curse her with barrenness. Now, none of that was true. And it usually wasn't true. We don't see God cursing with barrenness willy-nilly. It was just thought of that way. But that's a cultural problem. That's not a, you know, God never told them to reproach women who couldn't have kids. <laughs> well, I think she totally feels vindicated. Yeah. And, and that, exactly. That's, that's a whole nother element that it's like, this is why I was barren all those years. This is what all that suffering was for. God was going to do something special in me. Okay. So all those times I asked God, why God, why God, why God, God is saying, actually, there's a reason. There is a reason. I'm just not going to tell you yet. There's, you know, the, we, I've talked a lot about suffering over the last couple of years, but you know, su suffering shouldn't be wasted, right? Mm -hmm. you, you don't, you don't want to waste it. And I like her response because I think she's saying, oh, that was all, that all meant something. There was a purpose in that. And we on earth in our daily lives don't often get angels visiting us. And we don't always see the reason for the suffering that we have, the reason for the difficulty that we might have. On earth, we may never know. Why did I have to go through that? What was this about? What did all that suffering mean? I believe in heaven, we will see that. I believe God will show us why those things took place in our life. But Elizabeth was greatly blessed in that God showed her. This and is I, why. And this May, is why. I, I don't know about in, in Jewish society, but I know in other societies, if you didn't have a child, you weren't really considered part of your husband's family. That's how much of a cutoff it was. Well, yeah, and, and that wasn't always legal. But um, if there was a certain period of time, I don't remember how many years, that if a woman didn't conceive, you could divorce her. Yeah. And, and in fact, we're expected to. So that's another thing about Zachariah's character. I mean, again, we, we said a lot of things negative about his response and made some speculations as to why that was, but he stayed with Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's good. I, I feel like that shows good character that he didn't just put her aside and marry someone else. He stayed with her. So was that out of love? Did he really fall in love with her after a while, even though, you know, she didn't conceive? Or was it out of a sense of duty maybe to her? We don't know. But I think it speaks well of his character. But just because you make a good decision doesn't mean you're not bitter about that exact same decision. And so down the line, 
you might hear a lot of, well, I stayed with you. I didn't have to, you know. You know, again, I'm speculating, but this is what happens in people's lives. You make that good decision, and then later on, um, you make them pay for that good decision you made. Um, And so some of that might be happening as well. We're we're really not sure. But I do think it speaks well of his character that he stayed with his wife, and she is really happy. She is really happy. She sees the personal kindness and love of God in this, which I think is really neat. Any other thoughts on that? Reminding me of Elkanah. And, yes, um, Hannah. absolutely. He loved her, even though she didn't get children. And God had a, he had a, he waited in her case too, and allowed her to go through a lot of suffering. And then this was a very special child that he was bringing forth. Agreed. And I think we are supposed to think of Hannah during this, these stories of the announcement to the parents of John and Jesus. I think that's one of the stories we're supposed to think of along with Abraham and Sarah. And if you look at the Magnificat, um, Mary's prophetic prayer that she gives uh, later in this chapter, that really parallels Hannah's song. If you look, if you, if you look at the two of them, there's, there's quite a bit of similarity there. And, uh, so I, I do think that Luke is trying intentionally um, to get us to think of Hannah. Do you remember Hannah? She's Samuel's mom. Yep, she was barren, and she prayed, and God allowed her to have a child, which she then gave to the Lord. And he was raised by um, Eli of Jesus. But Samuel became one of the most important figures in the Old Testament. I mean, he's up there with David and Elijah and people like that as far as importance. And he was also a type of Christ. You know, as you look through and study um, in the Bible, there's a lot of typography. There's a lot of, this character sort of represents this one. This is a microcosm of this thing, this prophecy that's coming later. And Samuel really was a type of Christ because he was prophet, priest, and king. And he's really the only prophet, priest, king person we ever really see. Samuel was never king himself but he was close. <laughs> he was a king maker for one, but he also had a certain ruling authority even over the kings at times. And so that Samuel sort of is a, is a picture of Jesus who, who, who would be to come and he'd be the perfect version of it. Well, he was so, the... He was... So his, his Samuel's miraculous birth then is an important thing, right? And, and, so Mary and Elizabeth, I think, are thinking about that other miraculous birth that happened in the Old Testament. Tim. I don't know if it's specifically, he specifically called this, but it's like he was the last of the judges. Yeah. Right? When Israel was ruled by judges. Yeah, he was. He was. And that's, that's I think that's where the kingship kind of comes in. Yeah. Um, and it was very interesting. I, I don't I could go on and on about Samuel because I think he's so interesting. I mean, what other king gave up their power and anointed someone else king no nobody else does that you don't you don't give up the throne anoint somebody else walk away and then when and then when that person turns out to be a joker you don't take them down instead you anoint the next new person how do you not take them down and take over yourself and make it right again so i mean samuel he's just he's a cool guy 
lot a lot of character and a lot of humility in someone with so much power is is really rare. Andrew. George Washington did do a similar thing. It was a very godly thing when, mm -hmm. when he was he was voted in as president. He was our first president. He could have stayed president till forever. Yeah, he could have become like a king. He could have just stayed president. There was no rules back then of how long you could be in office. He would have won every election, no doubt. Could have just stayed there till he died. Um, but he didn't. He chose, nope, we're gonna do two two elections, two tour terms, and then I'm gonna set it down. And that really set the stage for, honestly, it was one of the main reasons for America's success. He also made the world a better He started the tradition of, of only two terms, uh, two elected terms as president, but it wasn't a law for, for the law yet. It actually didn't become a law until after um, Franklin Roosevelt was president because he was president for three ter terms. And they're like, we're gonna let him remain president because it's the middle of World War II, but we're also gonna make a rule that that can't happen again. <laughs> so anyway. One president, like, uh, yeah, uh, Teddy Roosevelt actually. Okay. We're going to stop the American history and. Okay. Um, I'm wondering if uh, Elizabeth ever found out how Papa answered to the angel. Oh, did Elizabeth find out about what happened in with the angel? I'm sure he told her, and I'm sure he eventually confessed that this is why I'm mute. See, that's the thing. He couldn't hide it. He can't talk. Why? An angel, an angel took my speech. Well, what'd you do? <laughs> and in, since they've been married for a long time, she's probably like, oh, what did you do now? <laughs> right? Because they've been married for a while. So, so, so there's, there's some knowledge about how each other can be when they're at their worst, um, <laughs> which is that clearly was there. Any other thoughts? I didn't want to spend the last five minutes starting the foretelling of Jesus because that's just I think it's better to just wait. Um, yeah, I really like the Zach and Elizabeth story. I love the, the there's such a clear there's a parallel to Hannah as we said, but there's such a clear parallel with Abraham and Sarah, and I really like that. It, Luke is very neatly bookending the entire Old Covenant. This is how it started, and now we're going to see the same thing happen again um, to, to conclude it and to bring the fulfillment of the covenant, which was Jesus. Jesus. That Jesus would come is the fulfillment of the old covenant. And then Jesus himself sets up a new covenant in himself, a better covenant, after he fulfills the first one. Any other thoughts? I was going to say, actually, um, back in verse 17, I think it's, it's so interesting the way he says this. Um, Turn back the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient and incredulous and unpersuadable to the wisdom of the upright, which is the knowledge and holy love of the will of God. 
in order to make ready for the Lord a people perfectly prepared in spirit, adjusted and disposed and placed in the right moral state. I mean, what a statement. Wow. Yeah, and the uh, hearts of the fathers to the children is obviously a direct quote from yeah. Micah 4. I'm not sure. I don't think the next one is a quote. It was Malachi, right? Sorry, Malachi. Not Micah, Malachi, you're right. And I mean, for the angel to say that, and, and I'm not trying to hammer on Zachariah either, but I mean... Mm -hmm. That is just an incredible pronouncement. It is, and it, and it speaks to his job description, you know, because he is the revivalist uh, in the sense of being out there preaching in public that people need to repent. And so being able to turn hearts and even the disobedient, that's how he's going to make, make way the, way the path for the Lord to prepare his way that's what we need now before the lord's that is coming. that's exactly what we need now and whether or not i mean we need it all the time <laughs> yeah you know throughout history we've needed it over and over and over again and we'll continue to need it and you know we're talking about a great awakening and that sort of thing coming hopefully soon and that's that's what we need now and down the road we'll need another one and another one and another one until jesus comes back um, and that cycle will continue. But we're in the new covenant now, and so things are better. We don't have to wait for a miracle child. Yeah. You know, we don't have to wait for an angel to come down and give us a pronouncement. You know, because we already have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's, it's, in, it, it, yeah. it's interesting that you mentioned a direct quote from Malachi. It's the last two verses of the Old Testament. Yep. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Mm -hmm. It just sends chills up my spine because, you know, that's the, and then, you know, the first gospel, Matthew, kind of missed that whole thing. <coughs> But in Luke, it's it's di directly related there in, in, yeah, in the whole story of Zechariah. Yep. And uh, and I, so, what is that? What was that intertestamental period? That was a long time. About four hundred years. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that's, that's a long time to wait, and it's not like God wasn't moving in those days or anything like that. He brought. Israel back and the Maccabean revolution and all that yep. kind of stuff. So there's a lot of a lot of good things that happened. Um, but he was the last, you know, big prophet of of God. And he said, This is what's coming next. And I think those words sort of echo for 400 years. And then Luke is like, All right, and so here's what happened. That gets fulfilled. And this is how. An old lady named Elizabeth. Um, and so, again, the, this, the story and what the angel does here in talking about John, it, it bridges, you know, Abraham and Sarah, Old and New Covenant, it bridges the end of the Old Testament 
this huge gap. And now the first thing God says, quote unquote, in scripture is the angel shows up and said, hey, Elijah's coming back. Just like, just like I told Malachi to say a while back, that's, ha <laughs> that's happening now. And man, what a painful waiting period, right? Um, and I think that's another, in my opinion anyway, I think that's another image of pregnancy. There's a long waiting period between the promise and the fulfillment when it comes to pregnancy, you know? And so I think there's this long pregnant pause between Malachi and Luke. And then finally the promise comes through a baby. <laughs> Again, it's actually through two, through two miraculous births. It's cool. You think, Nate, do you think there's a correlation between the 400 years that um, is between Malachi and Matthew and the 400 years that the uh, Israelites were in Egypt? There are people who make that parallel. I, I'm not sure. I don't know how much you can even fully make of that 400 years because God was still doing plenty of stuff. Yeah. And the Catholic Bible has plenty of books between Malachi and Matthew. So I, I don't know. But that Matthew 1.17 talks about the 14 generations from Abraham to David and from David to the exile in Babylon and then from then until Christ. So there's, there's a scriptural relationship there in, in those time periods. Mm -hmm. So, And Matthew... Uh, yeah, he, Matthew had a very Jewish way of looking at how generations work. Some generations were 20 years, others were 200. <laughs> because they, they like to kick people out of their genealogies <laughs> who are naughty. <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, there's a, the prophetic significance is huge. And that's what Matthew was trying to say. And I think that's what Gabriel is saying. I mean, Luke is saying it, but I don't want to say that's what Luke is trying to say. Because it sound makes it sound like Luke's making it up or writing a story himself, you know. Uh, but he is intentionally putting in what he put in, and so he is trying to set this up as a thing, you know, fulfillment. It's starting to happen. It's not just a random miracle; it's a miracle for a very specific purpose and one that we've been waiting for for centuries. A big, big deal. And as Zachariah would have understood all of that just from the angel's pronouncement. This is 400 year fulfillment and it's about to happen through me. Nope, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I can't believe it, whichever one. All right, what, we should stop. We're a little over time. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for sending John to prepare a way for Jesus. And I pray that you would allow us to listen to the Johns in our life. When they might call us to repent or to do things that maybe we didn't want to do. You know, John was really hard to receive from. He appeared to be a maniac. He lived by himself. He wore like hair shirts. He ate bugs just by foraging through the wilderness i mean this guy was hard to receive from if he came up to you at a conference and said i've got a prophetic word for you i guarantee you'd be like no you don't 
And oh, I'm getting a call. Sorry, I got it. All nice to meet you, and you walk away. Um, so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to receive the Johns that you might send to us. That we would be open to you, and that would be we would be open to being offended, annoyed, um, to have our personal or religious sensibilities maybe knocked around a little bit. We don't want to miss you. So we ask that you would make yourself uh, plain so that we could follow. Even if we don't see where we're going, that we could follow hand in hand with you. Thank you for that, Lord. Pray that you bless us all with health and protection over this season. Bless the kids in school and all of us at work or work from home or whatever we're doing. And we continue to pray for the Anderson family that you would bring healing to them. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.